Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. There is something not to be taken lightly here. This book is not to be trifled with. Uh, it is something that should be deeply considered, richly dwelt in, uh, and ultimately lived out. Uh, and it's why uh, I'm joyfully in this book often. And I get asked a lot, it's just it kind of, how do you interact with God's word? How do you let the spirit of God begin to just sharpen and grow you? And so I'm gonna just give you kind of one overarching thought that kind of guides my time in God's word. Um, I... Uh, purpose throughout the year to read for both familiarity and intimacy. Familiarity and intimacy, and it's like a little pendulum. I want to kind of swing back and forth between the two. And so about half of a year, it's not just the first six months, but about half of the year, I'm kind of reading uh, just as much of I, as I can in God's Word, sometimes getting through all of it in a year, sometimes twice in a year. I just want to get familiar with the meta narrative, the story, the major themes and the major story arcs that God gives us. And then after a little bit of that, I wanna swing over and there's times where I wanna drill in deep into certain passages or into certain letters or into certain gospels. Kind of a little bit of familiarity and a little bit of intimacy so that I can kind of all the while, whether it's familiarity or intimacy, I'm being sharpened by God's word and the spirit of God using it, as Derek was even talking about. And I want to be informed by this and let, and as I sit with it, right, I'm going, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to admonish in me? What are you trying to encourage in me? And it's, a, it's been a sweet journey, right, to just kind of think of it through those um, kind of two pendulum swings of what I'm trying to do. And I, I actually kind of want to use that as part of the model for today, is I want to start by reading The Wedding at Cana. We're in the series of John and encountering Jesus. Derek kicked us off last week, and this week we're going to be in John chapter 2, specifically focusing on the first 11 verses of John. And so just like Derek pointed out, John teed us up why he wrote this gospel in John 20, verse 31, so that we might believe, and in doing so, we might have life. And verse 11 of this passage is gonna be a little tee-up as to why John captures this story and none of the other gospel writers do. And so let me read that verse before we uh, work through the entire passage. It says this, verse 11 of John 2, it says this, the first of his signs, there'd be seven of them. John likes the number seven. Derek reminded us that last week that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and it manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. John's gonna log this story because it was when, uh, it's gonna tell us something about Jesus. As Jesus turns water into wine, there's more happening. Jesus is giving us a clue as to who he is, what he's doing, and what he will do. And so that's the lens by which I want us to read this passage is what's Jesus up to? Why is this one of the first things that Jesus did? Now, as, as you have that lens on, let's read the passage. Let's get familiar with it. John 2, verse 1, it says this, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. What is this telling us about Jesus? Be thinking. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. 
And so now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification. We'll unpack what that means. Each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And then he said to the servants, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water that had now become wine, they didn't know where it had come from, though the servants knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs that Jesus did at Cana and Galilee, and it manifested his glory. It's gonna tell us something about Jesus, and it's the first of his signs. It's interesting, John uses the word sign here. He could have used a different word that would have just been miracle, but a sign, you need to know, it is a miracle. A miracle is something only God can do, but a sign is specifically one of God's miracles that points to something of even greater significance. It's pointing to something that goes beyond even this miracle itself. And so as Jesus is changing water into wine, it's telling us something then, but it also has something for us today. And it's also pointing to something in the future. And that's what we are going to be looking at today. And it was the first it says, of his signs, John captures it. None of the other disciples do. And it's interesting to me because as I read for familiarity, if I'm like Jesus' PR, I'm like, I don't know that I would start with this sign. It's like, if, you know, it's like, man, how about a big sermon on a mount somewhere? Or let's raise someone from the dead. Jesus, let's really kick this thing off with a bang. But instead, Jesus is gonna manifest his glory. He's gonna reveal who he is um, to a small wedding crew in a small part of the world, in Cana. And it's like, Jesus, what are, what are you up to? And that's the privilege that you and I get to dive into today, is what is Jesus up to? What is this passage revealing to us about Jesus? Just as, as Derek talked about last week, as John the Baptist was announcing Jesus' arrival, the, the, announcing the beginning of his public ministry, he just said, behold, right? What was the word we learned last week? What was that word? Adieu, right? A dude, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John is now going to begin to unpack what that means, and he's going to use the wedding at Cana in order to do so. And so let's dive in as to what Jesus is up to. Let's see what he did in taking old water and making it new wine. We've read for familiarity now. Let's begin to drill in for a little bit of intimacy on this passage. It says this, back to verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples, and when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, a couple of things historically that will help frame this passage uh, is if for, a, for a marriage couple to run out of something during their wedding would have been an incredible social disgrace. And, and this wedding in first century Palestine may have lasted even a week. And so to run out of this would have been a, a tragedy in, in, the, in the mindset of the community. Also, in the ancient East and in, in, in first century Palestine, their culture was a little bit different than us. They have this shame, honor aspect to their culture where if you do something that is, is, is shameful or, or if there's, you do something that speaks poorly uh, of, of you, it actually speaks poorly of everyone, right? And so there's this, this, this disgrace that begins to cloud everything. And that's one of the things that is at stake here is there's a lot of disgrace that is now beginning to kind of come close to attaching themselves to this married couple. So much so, get this, the bride's family could have sued the groom for this mistake. And I'm like, whew, 
We almost ran out of cookies at my little two-hour wedding. And uh, you're telling me that there could have been lawsuits involved, and it's like this is one of the things that is at stake here. The, ex- the very marriage right now is on the brink of collapsing. Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My, my hour has not yet come. That's, a, that's an interesting interaction. You'll just see that little phrase, my hour has not yet come. Keep that logged in your brain. You're gonna see that phrase show up more and more as we continue to read the book of John. It's gonna point to, ultimately, Jesus' passion ministry. Right now, we're in his public ministry. That tees us off to where Jesus is thinking where it's going. And his mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you. Good advice, right? Do what Christ tells you. Always good advice. Mary tells the servants, do that, and that's exactly what the servants are about to do. It says, now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Interesting details that John is giving us, and he's trying to show us something. These purification jars uh, aren't drinking water jars. That's not what they're for. These jars are for spiritual cleansing. This would have been uh, in accordance with Old Testament law or Mosaic law. This would have been a part of the cleansing process that the Old Testament had set up. And so interestingly, these, these jars would have had a little bit of dirt and filth in them. And then John adds one other interesting note about them is he said they were six, do you see that word stone water jars? And these jars, I think, are reflecting kind of the old nature of where creation is. As Jesus is about to make water into wine, old water into new wine, he's gonna use that which seems to be old on the outside, a little stone on the outside and dirty on the inside. And that's what he's gonna use to produce something that's gonna save this wedding feast. It's a reminder, it has echoes of of the prophet Ezekiel. In in Ezekiel 36, verse 25, this is what it says that, that the Messiah was gonna come do. This is what God was up to. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, all the dirt that's still around. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Jesus is up to something new and he's gonna fulfill the Old Testament law to make a pathway for what he is up to right here. Old stone, dirty jars. Sometimes sounds like this for me. He's gonna produce new wine out of that. Jesus is up to taking old things and making it new. The old law would exist on stone tablets. The new law is gonna exist right here as Jesus removes that which is stone. uh, And then Jesus said to the servants, this had to be a puzzling uh, request, but it says, fill the jars with waters, and they filled them up to the brim, it says. And then Jesus said to the servants, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. We don't read about any questions from the servants. They just did it, and it says, so they took it. And it really had to make no sense. If you're the servants, you're like, Jesus, we're, we're running out of wine. Why do I need to fill up jars with water? That doesn't seem to make any sense. And so it is with you and I. A lot of times we listen to Jesus's instructions so long as it makes sense to us, so long as we can kind of track with it, we'll obey it. But as soon as it starts to get too hard or maybe demand too much of us, we start to go, 
Maybe I'll make a, a new way. Maybe I'll try my own path here. The inst- must be something wrong with the instructions. But that's not what Christ followers do. We begin to follow Jesus even when it doesn't make sense to us. Did you hear Mike's story earlier? Right, as he was someone that had been hiding um, past sin, sin of adultery, right? The world would have said, hey, Mike, it's been hidden thus far. Keep it hidden. Because you confess it and there's gonna be a slew of new problems that come your way. You might lose your family. He talked about that. You might lose your wife. You might lose any number of other things. The world would say, shh, 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 keep it quiet. But the spirit of God in Mike goes, no, 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 no. I know what the instructions are. James 5 would tell me that I gotta confess this to another human being. I've gotta get this out in the open so that true healing can begin to enter in. He knows that the instructions remind us that, that, that oneness in the marriage covenant is of deep concern and deep value to our Lord. And so he knew he had to get that out in the open because sin was driving a wedge between him and Amanda. He followed the instructions. And then take Amanda. What would the world say? The world would say, Amanda, look, he cheated on you. And not only that, he, he hid it for several years. That's your get-out-of-jail-free card. Go. Get out. But the Spirit of God in Amanda followed the instructions. Do you hear what she said? I'm not leaving. And what a gift that it's been, right, to us as she did begin to follow the instructions. Let me just tell you that God saves the best for those that follow his ways. And it's gotten sweeter with time for the Smiths as we begin to watch it unfold. I would also tell you that sometimes we, we're in this room and, and some of us, we can get to a place where we just go, man, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. I've got to clean myself up before I can go back to Jesus. That's not what this book says. See, you and I, we, we make Jesus in our own image. And in, in our own image, we think, I've got to clean up before I can get into fellowship with Christ. And isn't that crazy? Because you and I can't even fathom how loving of a God we have. You and I can't even fathom how much, how good he is and how much he's pursued us. This Bible says you don't get cleaned up to come to him. This Bible says while you're still dirty, he comes running for you. So the instructions, if anything, are to just recognize that you're poor in spirit and cry out. Cry out to others so that community can come running, but ultimately it's gonna be Christ that comes for you and he's the one that can rescue you while you're still in your muck and mire. Follow the instructions. Even when it doesn't make sense to us, Jesus is oftentimes up to far more than we realize. Then it says, the master of the feast tasted the water that had now become wine. He didn't know where it came from, the servants did. And then the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. It's this little picture of of the way of the world Uh, is downhill. Sin is downhill. It becomes old and then it gets older and older and older still. I kind of compare this to uh, kind of the ways of the world. I compare it to half-baked lasagna. Has, has anyone had half-baked lasagna before? I hope not. I had half-baked lasagna in college. And uh, let me just tell you a little something about half-baked lasagna from experience. First off, um, it smells really good at first. About 15 minutes in, you're like, mm, it's filling up the house. This is going to be good. And even if you peer through the oven 
which my friend did, uh, you start to see the cheese bubble on top, and you're like, that's going to be really good. But just because it's starting to look good on the outside, let it keep going for a little bit. Because when you pull it out a little too early, and you start taking bites of it, let me just tell you, half-baked lasagna tastes good for about half of a second. As your teeth cuts through the cheese, it's like, this is going to be good. And then you hit the cold chunks. Oof. But you love your college buddy who was making a meal for you when you didn't ask to it, and so you power through, and you take a few more courtesy bites, and then before long, you have E. coli poisoning. That's the way of the world, my friends. It looks good at first. It might even taste good for half a second. It ends in utter despair and disaster. So much so that you're maybe in your dorm room for a week and you can't attend class and you're in all sorts of trouble. I digress. Still bitter. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is no half-baked lasagna. It only gets sweeter with time. He doesn't half-bake anything. He doesn't make anything lukewarm. The joy that he offers, he offers in its fullness right now. He doesn't half-bake joy. He extends joy that you and I can experience right now, even in times of trouble. And yes, it will still get sweeter in time, but it is rich and full even right now. The peace that he leaves with us, it is not half-baked peace. It is a peace that can surpass understanding even now, and it will only get sweeter with time. This is the gospel. And it's even one that the, the master of the feast is recognizing something's different about this wedding, something's different about this sign. Jesus is revealing something about it that he makes old things new, and it is a rich newness. Don't miss out. I call this, the, I call this sign the water into wine. I'm calling it the alpha and the omega miracle. It's the first sign that Jesus does that he can utterly transform something that wasn't into something that is. He takes old water, makes it new wine. And if you are a new creation, you've had the penalty of sin taken away by the Lamb of God. You've had a heart of stone replaced with a heart of flesh. And this is the great thing that we want to invite all of you in is taste deeply the gospel. And if you need help with all of that, all you got to do, cry out. And we'll begin to come circle around you and show with you what the gospel is. It's the alpha sign, but it's also the sign of what I believe Jesus keeps doing over and over and over again. What he did was change water into wine, but it's a sign, remember. It's gonna point to different things that he does. And let me just be clear. Jesus is no one-hit wonder, okay? He's not, a, he's not the gimmick, asterisk-filled Houston Astros championship team banging on drums, okay? Is that a cheap shot? I felt a groan over here. It's a cheap shot. But it is, Jesus is, uh, he doesn't just one and done. He doesn't just save you, rescue you, and be done. No, what Jesus is gonna do is gonna keep doing this over and over and over again. He delights in making old things new over again. As we read through John, you're gonna see this over and over again. As you finish up John 2, you're gonna see that Jesus takes an old, dirty temple and makes it new and clean again. In John 4, you're gonna see a prolific divorcee turn into a prolific missionary to her town. You're gonna to see a lot of other things that Jesus is up to. He's even gonna take a believing saint in Peter 
with old betrayal stuck around him, clouding what is ahead, a dirty jar in that way. And you're gonna see him replace that with boldness. This is what Jesus is doing. He takes the old thing and makes it new. He takes the old thing and he makes it new. And he loves and he delights in doing it over and over and over again. And in our lives too, especially believers' lives, right? He doesn't just be done with you. He wants to keep making you new. You heard it in the Smith's testimony that we will become more like them, more like Christ over time. I'd say in the last six or seven years, uh, it's been some of the most transformative times uh, I've had in pursuing Jesus. And yet, I've gotten stuck along the way several times. And that which was supposed to be new is turned into a little bit of old. And I, I begin to think maybe I, I start with complacency and then I, then I feel defeated and then I just assume Jesus is done with me. I'm gonna put some stuff up. You know, a lot of y'all know some of the, my, my old water of 2015 and how Jesus has begun to use it. Well, in 2016, I wrestled with long and hard over whether I was permanently disqualified to ever be of use to Christ again. And finally, it got so bad that I just was, I had to shine a light on it and just go, Lord, will you do something with this jar of old, dirty water? Can you do something with me? You begin to marvel at how Christ has done that all throughout this book. 2017, it's like a pendulum over to, well, Jesus may actually need me. A little pride in ministry began to develop. It started, it, it was most clear one time, I, I gave a message and a buddy in my community group was like, hey Jeff, have you seen how many views you've gotten and how many shares you've gotten and how many retreats and all of this? And I was like, no, but tell me more. <laughs> as if God needed me, as if it was my story to begin with. And as I began to lay down that, I just began to just marvel that this is what God does. He uses broken vessels. 2018, I've talked about it, even up here on a Sunday, about envy that was grown in my heart towards other people and their roles and their giftedness. God in his kindness has removed that after I filled up that jar and, and, and shared it with other people, right? I followed the instructions. And God's taken that old water and has turned it into a place where I get to celebrate what others are doing and their giftedness and how God's using them. And it's been a sweet journey. 2019, 2020, just fear of man. God's working on my heart. And I just read, right? It's just, God has grace upon grace upon grace. It's just like, give me the water, Jeff, because I can do something with it. And I can make it new again. I don't have to walk in defeat. Even today, 2021, right? There's a jar that I've got filling up. I don't even know what the new wine that's gonna come out of it. But I do know this is, I'm gonna talk about it. I'm gonna follow the instructions and I'm gonna share so I doubt my voice, my giftedness. I doubt my role. I just go, Lord, all I know to do is to offer it to you. Can you do something with it? So what he does. It's the alpha and it's the omega sign. You know what Revelation 21.5 says? It says this. It says, and he who was seated on the throne, that's Jesus. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, do. I am making all things new. You see, in my, in my walk, when the lies are the loudest, here's how I read that verse. I read, I read that verse as, behold, I'm making all new things. The idea of, hey, Jeff, once you've messed up enough, Christ is gonna kind of get you out of the way so that someone new can come in. Out with Jeff, in with, in with Rico. 
But that's not what the verse says. Jesus doesn't half-bake anything. He's not trying to kick you out. He's trying to bring you into deeper fellowship. He doesn't want a new thing in your place. He wants to make you new again. Christ doesn't give up on you. He's half-bakes nothing. And this is what he has for, for you in, in all your life, right? He's not trying to, I know for some of us, we hit these moments where we're just like, Lord, I, Here's my prayer. I need a new community group. Will you please give me a new community group, Lord? And really, what he wants to do with your community group is he wants to make your community group new again. And it's why, as community groups, we've got to talk about ways that we can grow. We can fill up the jar, the old water that is bogging us down, the ways we don't feel loved, cared for, or heard. Or maybe the same ways we're not doing that for other people. But the greater miracle is when Jesus takes that which is old and makes it new again. That's what this sign is pointing to. That's what the water into wine is pointing us to. So it goes, I delight in taking old things and make it new. Even this marriage, right? If you're the bride, you're the bride's family, you're like, shame has already come. Let's get out, let's bail now, and let's start over. Jesus goes, no. I'm not looking to give you a new marriage, bride. I want to make this current marriage new again. And so it is today. You and I, if you're married, you, it's easy to kind of point the finger at the spouse and go, I need a new spouse. Your spouse might say the same thing. I need a new spouse. And what, what Jesus is saying is, no, 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 no. I don't want you to have a new marriage. I want to make your marriage new again. And it's why I delight. It's why I thank you for the role that I get to play. Because on Tuesday nights, I'm watching men humble themselves in such a way that their marriage is starting to become new again because they're following the instructions of laying down their life, laying down in humility the ways that they are producing old, defeating aspects in their marriage. They're laying it down and trusting that God can do something with it and it becomes a beautiful sight to behold. And I watch marriages be made new all the time, whether that's Monday night or Tuesday night. I see God turn water into wine over and over and over again. You see, in, in, in our economy, and, and, and I want you to think about which side you're on, you're, you're, you're either hiding sin or you're confessing it. It's one of the two. You're either managing sin in isolation or you are talking about your struggles with others. It's one of the two. And the call would be, trust our Lord who knows what to do with old, dirty water and how he makes it new and how new life bubbles up in its presence. This is what he does. This is what he longs to do with you and I even still today. And so what are those areas for you? What are those areas for you that you just go, the shame is too much, the pain is too much. Is it something in your character? Is it something in your community group? Is it something in your marriage? Is it in your job where you're just like, Lord, will you rescue me and just let me start over somewhere? I just wanna tell you, the Lord wants to do a new work right where you're at. And so this is the part where um, David was alluding to where we're gonna just stop for a second and the band's gonna come out and we're gonna sing uh, a, a song called New Wine. And here's what I want you to know, right? Jesus is, is, is this great purifier. He who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. And, and he wants to start that process even still today. And so here's what I want us to do for the, uh, for the next minute or so. And then as we move into the song, I want you to use this time as a prayer to the Lord going, hey, Lord, what are you trying to communicate to me? How, 
Have I settled for old stuff in my life that I'm just letting linger around and I'm missing out on the miracle transformation that you wanna do with it and how you wanna make something new? And it could be in any number of things. It could be unconfessed sin or it could be just areas where you've just got grown complacent and you're missing out on the newness and the freshness that Christ is readily available. It's the miracle he delights in doing. Old things being made new. It's what he did back in Cana and it's what he still does today. And so as the band begins to play, just sit right where you're at, that's great. And you can begin to process, Lord, what are you trying to teach me and how I can grow? And so treat this song as a prayer for you and how the Lord wants to continue to grow you. What Jesus did was he turned water into wine a couple thousand years ago. And what Jesus does today is takes these old things in us and makes them new. But do you know what Jesus is going to do one day? What he will do? As you see, the, the wedding feast at Cana is just a glimpse. It's just a shadow of something that is to come. There's a greater feast coming. There's a greater marriage coming. And it's the marriage supper of the Lamb that Scripture talks about. There's a great reference to it in Isaiah 25, and I just want to read verse 9 from it, because it, it will be said on that day, after the Lord has wiped away all our tears, after he's removed the reproach, after he's officially made us new forever, permanently. Scripture says, it will be said on that day, behold, adieu, this is our God. We have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We've waited for him, right? We follow the, the instruction and let us be glad and we rejoice in his salvation. It will be a sweet day. And just as Christ, when his public ministry began, the first two things he did was he, he saved a marriage feast and he cleaned the temple. And so it will be that day that he will purify his church and there'll be a wedding feast. Revelation 19.9 says, blessed are you, if you've been invited to that feast. That's what's coming. And it will be this sweet thing. Our old faith that had come through hearing will be a new faith in that moment that will be confirmed by sight. Whew, and what a moment it will be to behold, won't it? The beauty of it, when we will finally go, it is Christ face to face. Scripture talks about 1 John 2, just the the. Live now in such a way that you don't have to shrink back at that coming, that shrink back at that moment where you're face to face, but you live in such a way that with all the humility, all the, all the, fall, the, the flaws that you have in your head, you will be able to go, Lord, I have tasted. I'm a new creation, and you made me new and new and new after taking away the old, and we'll be able to sing in such a way. That will be really sweet because one day the doors will fling wide, and we'll get to walk in, and we'll get to see our bridegroom. It is going to be a sight to behold. Blessed are those who are invited to that marriage supper of the Lamb. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at CityBridgeCC. See you next time.